the NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Let's get it out of here. Where else is history still in the making? Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins tonight on TNT. Curling fans, you've come to the one place with everything you need involving USA Curling and more. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network and hosts Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Get ready for everything you need to know. News, interviews, points of view, and club spotlights. Anything involving USA Curling can be found here. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network. Now, here are Price and Joe. All right, a week off, and we are back here on the Extra Extra Podcast with the 12th in Sports Network. I'm Price Atkinson, joined this week by Joe Calabrese, the godfather himself, and Dustin Tomasetti, our good friend Specs in Duluth, Minnesota. Gentlemen, Saturday morning, uh, welcome in. I hope everybody is doing well this week. Specs, the restaurant, you've uh, kind of got up and running at, at the Wick now. And, uh, you know, Joe, uh, you were riding home in style last night, so uh, a big week for us. How's everybody doing this morning? Doing great, Price. Uh, you know, uh, the family bought a new family truckster, uh, due to us anyway, and so I'll have a nice Bonsfield van whenever I uh, hit the road again. Um, I don't have a whole lot of complaining to do this morning. Uh that's that's my new thing. It's um, all about positivity. Uh, uh, we get to see people at the restaurant starting on Monday, so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, I uh, I got a really good bottle of bourbon yesterday and drank that, so things aren't things aren't bad. Yeah. So we're recording on Saturday morning. I saw your uh, post last night, Specs. Did you finish off a full bottle of Basil Hayden bourbon? Because if you did, you're a hero to me. And number two, why would you waste it all in one night like that? Well, yeah, and and it was the ten year Basil Hayden. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's gone. Uh, so I was with some uh, local, uh, some local boys, uh, another uh, chef in town, uh, and one of my my fish guy. You know, so you got you always when you're a chef, you always got to have a fish guy. Yeah. And uh, he invited he invited us over to his house, and uh, he wanted to cook us dinner for once. So. Uh, that was my treat. Uh, was I brought that bottle, and next thing you know, it was gone. So, you know, luckily I don't have much of a headache this morning, and I have I'm full of opinions. So maybe maybe it's still there. So we'll see. I was gonna say go run and pop two Advil real quick. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys saw it last weekend. I'm sure you did because it's basically it was the only real sports that we've had on. You know. I, I don't know about you guys. I'm captivated. I'm riveted by the cornhole that's been on uh, every Saturday. But last Sunday, the um, you know the Tiger Woods, the Tom Brady, the Peyton Manning, Phil Mickelson golf. There was a part I was watching it, and there was a second where I stopped and said, "No wonder I love curling so much," because I kind of felt like I was back at a, you know, at a Bonspiel or Joe broadcasting nationals because you know everybody was talking about how cool it is to have the players mic'd up. I, I, we're so used to it, you know, it's part of our game, you know, when we have television, but, you know, I had a flashback there for a minute watching it, you know, having them mic'd up, which I thought was, you know, a, a great touch. Might it be something that we see more of in the future, but, you know, I it, curling crept into my sports life uh, last Sunday watching that. Yeah, Price, that was a lot of fun, actually. I, I watched a good deal of that, uh, the match, I guess it was called. Yeah. Um, and I love any event where Tom Brady loses, so um, that was perfect. Um and, and so I knew that I had, was coming. In the in the on the first hole, I, I messaged uh, my TESN partner Brian, and I said, um, "Tom Brady sucks at golf." I I, I was surprised at um, the fact that he might have enough balls to finish the round. I, I don't never seen somebody spray the ball quite as often as somebody is <laughs> uh, Tom Brady, who was on golf uh, on TV. And then, of course, he makes like the shot of the event. Um, you know, a birdie uh, from off the green, uh, it, it was sort of bittersweet, and then he made the best shot of the round. But it, the nice thing about it was that he lost. Uh, that, that's just my opinion about it. Uh, I enjoyed it. I had to tape it. Um, 
Uh, and then I, I rewatched it during the week this week. Uh, that is completely uh, my kind of television. Uh, I love golf. Um, and then I love personalities. So, you know, Phil Mickelson is, was perfect for that. I mean, his, his, what he's talking about the whole time, how he's going to shape the shot and do this, yada, yada. It is so awesome. And, uh, and then you had Charles Barkley and Justin Thomas, uh, commenting i justin thomas is one of my favorite golfers he's fun and uh and barkley's barkley i mean i i I could you know about 12 hours ago i could have done a hell of a charles barkley impersonation for you guys but uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna keep it off the air right now and my voice is a little raspy but uh anyhow i i I mean i love it and yeah exactly terrible 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 uh anyhow uh The, you know, I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, and then the, the beautiful thing is, you know, you're hating on Brady a little bit is he makes that shot and then he just starts, he just starts playing great. You know, you can get to see kind of the gamer he is and, and he was talking to Peyton the whole time. My favorite was when he walked away, you, I would have made that putt. Oh, I loved it. That was so <laughs> Yeah, it, it was neat. Um, I, I I thought it was a lot of fun. The inside, you know, the miking up especially was the best part for me. Not being a huge golfer or anything like that, but you know, I, Joe, you mentioned BA. I, did did you have a live look in at him? Was there a Facebook live stream or something you guys had streaming with uh, TSN? Because I'm sure he probably had his. Um, what black and red on that Tiger was wearing? I mean, it's, he, he was probably worshiping at his Tiger Shrine that he actually had golf back on. Did you get any kind of live look in it, BA? I wish I could have, but you know what? He actually, I think he watched it on delay. When I messaged him that first time, he said, oh, I, I'm taping it. So I said, oh, I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but this round might take about seven hours. <laughs> uh, the way that Mickelson, Mickelson was lining up everything that Brady did, um, that, that round took forever, but the, the interesting thing about that is everybody says, oh, you know, sports has to be you know, two hours. But, you know, honestly, it's sports has to be compelling and then people will watch. And that was a, a compelling round of golf uh, for a lot of different reasons. Um, but I don't think it was a problem that it was, you know, longer than a, you know, conventional, you know, sporting event. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go from the golf to curling because we did have some stuff that uh, popped late in the week. Um and first of all, just to set the stage, as luck would have it, Jessica Schultz, um, the new uh, women's high-performance director slash junior um, director, will join us in the next segment. So Jessica Schultz is coming up as our guest this week. But we are going to lead off with junior news, gentlemen, because first of all, um, we get changes to the U.S. program. Um, obviously, both the men's and women's relegated to the World Junior B uh, so there were changes made in light of that and then what is going on with the ongoing pandemic. But, you know, I guess uh, let's before we get into the program changes, let's just touch on real quick. Um, you know, guys, uh, the women's teams uh, announce uh, Elizabeth Janiak, uh, Delaney Strauss, and then you got the men's teams, uh, Riley Fenson and Ethan Sampson uh, on the other squad. You know, you basically got one uh, veteran uh, women's junior uh, team and then, uh, you know, the same thing on the men's side. Uh, really excited to see Ariel Traxler get in on the women's side. Um, you know, not that uh, folks listening right now will know, obviously, the players. But, um, you know, for for those that don't know, just your general thoughts, guys, on, on the new lineup on, on the women's uh, side of, for the HP program for the juniors. All right. So, you know, um, I, I, that Traxler team is pretty much the Traxler team from two years ago. Yeah, I think they have a fit that's a little bit different. So they have some experience, and, and obviously Ariel's uh, bronze medal finish at the uh, women's nationals this year, you know, puts her at a level that that's pretty high. I, I kind of see those teams as relatively even, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, that there is sort of the one and two. I, I think that both those teams um, can compete, and you know, we're going to need that because, uh, as we're going to talk about a little bit later, both teams, the men's and women's teams, were relegated to World Junior B, so. Um, we're going to need them to perform, and it's, it's. I think we're in good shape on the women. I mean, I'll I'll shadow basically what Joe said. You know, as far as my knowledge goes, uh, with with the names of what's going on, is I, I basically just knew what Joe Joe was talking about. And uh, I mean, they they like like you said, you know, with the both junior teams being relegated, they got their hands full as as long as. And also Jessica has her hands full uh, trying to get these things moving. It's it's about developing the players and. 
and going forward, especially during these times and the, the timing of everything and their plans. So, um, yeah, it, it looks like they, they picked a very, two very even teams, I would say, and uh, see how they can develop them. Yeah, the uh, women's teams all have uh, five uh, five-player teams, at least what was announced, and the, the junior men's are uh, just four um, four-player teams. And so uh, there could be, I would think, additions to the men's side of things. But, you know, the real big thing is, is the changes to the program, um, not the teams, but the actual overall structure. Um, obviously, with the pandemic going on and being relegated, um, that's necessitated necessitated some changes. Um, I guess you know. Let's get into really what the the big changes of it were. Um, I mean, the junior nationals under twenty one juniors move into March, um, and then implementing a twenty twenty one World B team trials for for the upcoming season. Um, you know, guys, take it away. Um, Pretty, some pretty big, significant changes, at least for a season. Um, you know, Price, I think the interesting thing about that team trials in November is that it sort of extends the season for a lot of players. Even in the release, it talks about how, for some players, it may shorten the season significantly. And so uh, that's kind of interesting. You know, that qualifying event is going to be, uh, the team trials, I'm sorry, is going to be six teams, and four of those teams are going to get into the event through a qualifying event in October, four on each side. Um, so um, that should be kind of interesting. And the thing that I thought was maybe most interesting, maybe about uh, the, the under-21 Nationals event, is that the team that wins that is going to be a funded team. So it, you can come from outside the program and become a funded team. I think it's a, a, a nice development. Um, it lays it right out there and lets people know what they got to do to get there. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm here. Okay. Uh, uh, I believe, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the timing and how they're handling it, uh, I believe kind of makes sense. Uh, you know, I think it, it also, uh, the, the one thing I'm worried about, you know, with this season uh, going the way that, you know, with the timing and everything is I want to make sure that, you know, I hope they're developing these teams and, and developing more players than just the amount that, the, that they've named and, uh, and it, it turns into a little bit bigger of a program. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at with it. The timing makes sense. The the tournament, uh, that, that completely makes sense to me. Uh, I, I hope it happens. That's, that's really where I'm at. Is I, I hope this actually all happens with, uh, with you know, because God knows where we are at with sports. But uh, that, that's basically where I'm at. Yeah. Price, you had mentioned something to me. Sorry, sorry Price. You had mentioned something to me the other day that I thought was important. In the release, it talked about uh, international events being decided on ice, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Price. So what are your thoughts about that? Well, it, that was the line. Um, the one that, that, that caught me, that stuck with me, was the line that, that states, USA Curling strives to have the qualifications for international events be decided on the ice, period. And that's, yeah, we, we went down this road, this path, what, and I think maybe in the last podcast, where... You know, could next season be an anomaly where you have on the men's and women's side, you know, things are compressed. You have only one world championship to decide Olympic berths. Do you go out off? Do you do you go off the grid and not go with the winner? Because I am a I'm a believer in if you win on the ice, that's who should represent. You know, Team USA at international. I I I, I agree with that. But in that last podcast, because this is going to be a significantly different year, do you want to put yourself out there uh, and potentially not send the best representative to get us an Olympic spot? I think that there, and I still believe that if that's the route you go, I've got no problem with it for this one season. While I do believe you should win it on the ice, I just think this year is going to be unlike any other that we've ever seen with so much at stake and so very little margin for error. But when I read that, I said, hmm, might this be foreshadowing because it sounds like if you're going to put this in place for the juniors, I don't think you're going to see something totally different when it comes to uh, men's and women's potential changes that we hear coming up uh, down the road. Yeah, uh, yeah, that is that is definitely something. Uh, sorry, Joe. Uh, that is definitely that was the the line that I saw too, and uh, we kind of already know my opinion on that. Uh, it, 
you know, in the junior junior realm of things, I I kind of agree with that um, that it is decided on the ice, and uh, I really hope that the teams that they're putting energy behind are the teams that go out and win, because um, one it, it makes them look look a be- look better, and uh, and also the funds are going to something that to to get a winner. Uh, I think definitely. You know, from from the girls' side of things, I think they got two of the good teams. Uh, there's a young dark horse on the men's side that I'm sure will be part of that tournament um, that could make some noise. Uh, that I I I've played against them and I've played against this team, and I'm assuming they're together. Is that I think he is an up and comer, especially in the skip end of things. So. Um, I'm not going to name names because I don't want to talk junior curling. Like even that's what we're doing. I don't want to talk junior curling. Like no one realizes the talent, but he's pretty darn young, you know. So uh, oh, come on, sp- that, spill it. I, well, that that Tuma kid. I mean, he he is he is an up and comer. Uh, he's super smart. He throws a rock to good. I think I got his name right, right? Tuma. Yeah. He was the fifth of on the junior bus last year. Um, I've heard nothing but good things, and I had the pleasure of playing against him in St. Paul. He kicked my ass, and uh, well, he didn't kick my ass. My team kicked my ass. Anyhow, <laughs> I can get into that too. <laughs> I, I can get into that. Uh, but I mean, he he, uh, he throws the rock super well, and I think he's an up and comer. I was I was actually you know he's I think he's under he's not he's under eighteen, so he's still pretty darn young. But um, from what I see, and then what I've seen from these other uh, junior guys teams is like uh, he could definitely if he's if his team's in that tournament he could definitely beat those two teams and uh, and and it would be decided on the ice right so uh, we shall see and this team is pretty darn good too they sweep well communicate well they take things really serious and that's kind of what juniors is all about is if mm-hmm. you have if you have the if you have these guys tuned in guys or girls you have them tuned in to a common goal and they're working towards it. Um, that really takes care of a lot of things because, you know, when you're a teenager, your, your, your mind can go in so many different ways, just as mine is right now. So, uh, you know, that would be, that would be someone that I would look out for on the, on the boys side is, uh, that, that, that team and that kid, uh, he's, he's got it. And I've been told by people that know a few things by cur- about curling is he's got it. So we shall see. No pressure at all. Joe. Yep. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention real quick was, you know, I'm sort of transitioning off of the juniors, but but it was in the release. The U.S. Men's and Women's Championships looks like they're getting moved back a week. So starting January 30th and going to February 6th, which means that's the week leading up to the Super Bowl, which I actually think is a pretty good week, I think, to have our nationals. Because, um, you know, while, you know, there's a lot of Super Bowl hype, there isn't it. There, it's not, um, it's quite as packed as, you know, college basketball, you know, you know, leading up to March Madness and things like that. Um, I think it's a better week in general. Um, but one of the things that I found interesting was it was in this release, nobody had made any particular announcement about that. The Cedar Rapids uh, uh, Nationals page still shows the original date. I'm huh. wondering if anybody has told Cedar, Cedar Rapids this, <laughs> if this is just something that's a, a dream at this point and then nobody's made any particular announcement, but it was in, it was in the release. Yeah, um, as that was going to be the date. Yeah, January thirtieth through February the sixth. I remember starting that nationals what a couple of years ago. I think it was the Olympic year, Joe. Right, and when we were in Fargo, when we I don't think we started till March. Right, um, the way the calendar fell. But this is going to be right. a, a January start. So, um, yeah, yeah. You you mentioned that to me yesterday. So it's just such a compressed calendar uh, on the junior side because with the World Junior B Championships in Finland starting February 3rd, then you got the U.S. Junior Nationals the 17th of, of January, then the U.S. Nationals starting the 30th, and then obviously you have a little bit of a break, about a not quite a month for the World Junior Championships in China, but boy, that's that's uh, a, a solid three-week window right there that is going to be packed on the junior calendar. I don't think we've ever talked this much junior curling in, in the podcast history, but here we are doing it, guys. Um just interesting changes and, and just something to note real quick at uh, Jessica Schultz, who we'll have up here in just a second. Um, she's going to do a, um, a virtual uh, town hall meeting uh, to talk about some of the changes, uh, answer questions, 
and those kind of things on, on Monday, June the 8th from 7 to 8 p.m. Central Time. So you can get all that information uh, to join Jess in the uh, town hall regarding the uh, junior program on Monday, June the 8th uh, at usacurl.org. Um, guys, anything else before we get to uh, get to the star? And that's Jessica Schultz, our guest, in the next segment. I don't have anything. Uh, I, I mean, I just I think I just talked more junior curling in in the last uh, ten minutes than I have in the last ten years. So, uh, <laughs> I, I wish I knew a little a little more than I actually no. do. Did, no. But uh, yeah, it, 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 I love the literature. What they came out with was quite interesting. So uh, that's where I'm at. All right, let's get to Jessica Schultz, our guest, and we'll come back and we'll talk uh, a little bit more about uh, the season ahead, what we hope will be the season ahead right here on the Extraction Podcast with the 12th Inn Sports Network. Support for this episode is brought to you by Mrs. Myers. A delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything we make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived ingredients, our cleaning products work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. So bring a little bit of the outside inside your four walls and bask in the wonder of a garden from the comfort of home. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Shop now at mrsmyers.com. All right, joined this week by Jessica Schultz, the two-time Olympian, 2006-2014, world silver medalist, multi-time U.S. champion, but now the new director of the women's national teams and juniors for USA Curling. Jess, congratulations. Welcome in. Thrilling, exciting time for you with this uh, incredible step in your professional career. Thank you, Price. And thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, it's I've, I'm over the moon. I am so excited to be a part of this and to help facilitate the, the organization going forward. It's obviously a huge role and i hope that i can keep up with it <laughs> yeah well it's, we're excited for you i do i do want to make sure we ask you you know at the beginning uh, you you detailed you know in, in length just your battle with you know the virus and you were open about it on your blog curl com. and you know how are you doing how, how are things going are you feeling good you know you're, you're roaring back to jessica schultz normal Thankfully, yes, I am. Good. I am back to Jessica Schultz normal, full speed ahead. So, like with this uh, new role, I've jumped in with both feet, and uh, I literally just started four days ago. And I think we're accomplishing. Um, we're we're just accomplishing a lot in a little bit of time. And I just appreciate all of the athletes' patience uh, as we kind of work through this navigate this change but as far as the COVID goes yeah thankfully the symptoms were about a month and it took me a few weeks to kind of get back and mm -hmm. going but I'm I'm full speed ahead now I mean you really you really opened up and detailed you know your battle and I I mean I, I'll let everybody can go read your blog if they haven't already but the, you know what was the response and feedback that you got because you know picking it up through the you know the club nationals like so many others did but I mean, I, I know that there were people like Ann Swisshelm when I talked to her a few weeks ago on the podcast, you know, her opening up, I heard, had a lot of people say to me, that was really good to hear what she had gone through. What did you get back in terms of feedback and response from others, you know, from your post detailing just your excruciating battle? Um, well, I think, you know, initially it's, it's, it's a feeling of vulnerability when you share mm -hmm. something that you're going through. And so I had to kind of overcome that, but Overall, I've had a very positive response from it, and I just appreciate everybody that's reached out. I was kind of actually um, just humbled by how many people actually reached out and, and just wished me well wishes and going forward. And, and I think that's really important for people to recognize that, that the COVID is a thing. It's a virus that people are, are battling with, and there are still athletes um, within our curling world that are still trying to navigate and, and get healthy. And there's still athletes from yeah. club nationals that are, are working to recover from this. Wow. And so the, the virus affects people in very multiple different ways, right? Like some people are asymptomatic. Some people have it for two days. Some people have it for a month. People get it for a couple months. Um, we have once you, and it's just like when you recover from a virus, you're not, you're not coming out of it feeling a hundred percent. So you have to build your energy back up again and restart and, and recharge. And, and that could take a number of weeks that could take months that could take a year, depending on how it affected you. Yep. 
Well, we're glad you're doing so much better, Jess, and, and no excited about this new role with USA Curling. I, you know, the excitement is clearly off the charts for you, but what was it for you that interested you in this role to be able to work with, you know, the women's national teams and, and the junior national program? Right. I think when the new CEO was hired, uh, it was very apparent that he knows what he's doing and he's smart and he has a lot on the, uh, a lot of experience and it just it became something that I really wanted to be a part of, right? Mm-hmm. I want the organization undergoing all these changes. I wanted to help be a part of that and bring in my past experiences and, and kind of help propel and lead us forward. And so that's kind of how it came about. And there's certain things that fell into place that, that allowed me to get the junior development role as well. Mm-hmm. And the goal going forward is to build an inclusive organization that's from the grassroots up to the podium. And so we're poised as staff to to help make that happen. Yeah, that's right. And you, as you mentioned, you kind of have two buckets now is where – um, mm-hmm. Pete Vinson and and Dave Jensen before you know were carrying their own. Now this the, both of them fall to you. And you know I know working with grassroots is it's, it's something you're passionate about. You know you founded the Curl AK, AK nonprofit program to grow curling in Alaska, and you love teaching and, and working with juniors. You know about the junior side of things. I guess you know the passion there. What are you going to change, tweak, build on? I mean, I, I mean certainly I know our, our both our junior teams were relegated after the last World Championships, but. Where do you start on the junior side? What are priorities for you there? That's a good question. Uh, so we we just had the closing of the junior applications on uh, last Friday. Mm-hmm. So that's for the high performance program. So we're navigating those, and I've been going through those through in fine detail and kind of reaching out to whoever I can to collaborate and help um, put some good teams together and then working and reaching out to other members that have been, um, tirelessly putting in hours and hours of their time to help the juniors from a grassroots level and just kind of reach out to them and, and navigate and see where I can best help them and that where we can come together and work together to build that program. So, uh, there's a lot that's still in the works. I wish I had a lot of answers for you right now, Price, but uh, we, uh, like I said, it's day four, so I just got my email up and running, and feel free to use it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, we're just we're just getting organized right now, and obviously with the COVID situation, the pandemic that's going on and affecting everybody, it's kind of slowed us down in the process. There's a lot of unknowns going into next season, as everybody can imagine, and. So we're just looking at that and navigating that and making sure we have some backup plans and ideas in place that when we do release information, then we'll we'll have plans and answers for those questions that are going to be coming forward. All right. Continue with Jessica Schultz, uh, Anchorage native, still there in uh, Alaska, uh, doing her work from there. As obviously we're talking about her new role with USA Curling and on the women's, you know, HP side of things. Um You've got a mix of a lot of veterans. There's a lot of talent, and there's also some youth, you know, especially that are, that's coming into the program or that might have been there for a couple of years now, but a few, a few new faces even this for this coming season. Um, when you look at the HP side of things, you know, what is it? What are what are your priorities there? Because it's it's obviously filled with a lot of robust, but you know, young talent right now. We have some fantastic ladies in this in this group. I am excited to be working with them they are super motivated uh they are accountable they are hardworking, and they're ready to take that next next step to help elevate their playing uh abilities so right now i'm just learning what they've been doing Mm -hmm. right because they've been successful you know you have um sinclair who has won national championships. You have Corey who has uh, skipped successfully in the past that stepped into that role. And then of course you have tabs team who switched up the lineup a little bit and, and going forward, I think like with all of those girls combined, as long as we stick together and work together, we're going to be, it's going to be a force. So just, I'm like I said, I'm just learning what they've been doing and then see where I can help to help bring them up to the next level. Yeah, the, you know, it's it's interesting because we we talked a, a little bit in the last couple of weeks and, and, and a lot of people, you know, just talking, you know, on the phone and chatting about, you know, the way everything looks in terms of the, the program. 
Um, it, it, for the first time in a couple of years, it seems like you have a, a more of a natural pecking order, I should say. And I know you don't like hearing that. You know, with your mm-hmm. role, you want to have three teams that are basically 1A, 1B, and 1C all right there even. But, you know, you got Tab's team that's obviously they had crazy – Great year last year. Had a ton of momentum going into Women's Worlds. Uh, now that you have mm-hmm. the change with Sinclair's team, um, you know Jamie's got Monica back. Uh, you know, trusted lieutenant. She's curled with for a long time. You know, then Cora Farrell and um, Elizabeth Cousins that are going to be joining on with her for this coming season. Um, how, how do you envision to see? I mean, communication, you know, is everything. But to seeing a team that's got a couple veterans, but a couple really young new faces and talented faces on, on Jamie's team. Yeah, I think it's great. I think if looking back on just my career and how that that played out, Erica was a fantastic veteran and an educator along with Debbie and Anne. So I only see it benefiting Cora and Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. uh, bringing them up to that level. And those Cora and Elizabeth are so motivated and talented that I think it's just going to be a fantastic foursome right there. Yeah, very talented, uh, young, and I know it, people are excited to watch just exactly to see what you're going to get and, and what's going to mm-hmm. be brought to the ice. And Jamie, obviously, is one of the best shot makers in the U.S. when it comes to uh, women's high-performance curling. I know you had been on the job long, Jess, and, and we'll let you go here in a second, but you know, in just the short time, so much unknowns. We're, we, we just don't know. I mean, everybody's just you know literally living day by day you know, with what the future mm-hmm. holds. But you know, what have you guys have, have you talked as a staff about you know what the next season might look like you know contingency plans what you might do if and what you could do here if have you guys discussed that at all have you, have you, you know figured out you know kind of map this thing out is any way you can that that's definitely uh on our plate right now we have had those discussions uh again it's going all to the what ifs you sure. know what if, when is this region going to open up? When is the state going to open up their borders or that, you know, when can we go into Canada? And, and unfortunately we don't know that, right. We can, we can exhaust ourselves with the what ifs. So right now what we're encouraging the athletes to do is to plan their seasons like they normally would. Mm -hmm. And, and then going forward, we're working on the contingency plans. Um, So if, if an event doesn't happen, how do we, how do we manage getting those points for those athletes? So, so we're, we're definitely working on it. (laughs) All right, Jess, um, before we let you go, what uh, I know the summer is going to entail a lot of planning, a lot of getting ready, getting up to speed and everything, but you know, now you're going to have a look, you got to get a little, you know, relaxation in you're in one of the most beautiful parts of not just the country, but the world. You're going to get to get some hikes in, get to get outdoors and, you know, have some fun uh, before you kind of get to the grind of next season, no matter what our season looks like. Absolutely. Price, I will be out on the ocean catching some big halibut and maybe uh, on the river catching some salmon and definitely getting out there and hiking. So there'll be some I'll be, try to post a little more about those great pictures of Alaska up here. Making me jealous of that uh, fresh halibut. You're, you're pulling uh-huh. right out of the water, Jess. Well, look, yeah. you're, you're a great friend. Uh, you know, obviously you've helped here on the podcast so much uh, in the past, but excited for you. Excited for this new role and, you know, a lot of the new, uh, a lot of the new changes, the new feel, you know, the new look that, that USA Curling is going to have, obviously under Jeff Blush and his leadership moving forward, Jess. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Price. I look forward to speaking with you again in the near future. Hope to see you much sooner than later, Jess, at a rink near us. Thank you so much. Definitely. Thank you. All right. Enjoyed that time with Jessica Schultz. Appreciate her uh, joining us this week. And good luck to Jess, certainly in her new role. Got a lot on her plate with the Women's National teams and the junior program when we come back we'll wrap this episode up of the extra extra podcast with the 12th in sports network we'll be right back all right appreciate jessica schultz in that last segment uh talked to her about a week ago so it was a little bit before uh, all the uh, announcements that came out this week that dropped uh late in the week and it was good to get some more uh, curling news. I would expect some more coming, um, you know, in the coming weeks. And we'll be here for you, Joe. We gotta, we gotta map this baby out because we're about to turn the calendar in June. So I don't know how much more podcasting and curling talk we can do. Um, I hope everybody has enjoyed it uh, to try and give somewhat of a diversion from, 
you know, what's going on? Even though we haven't had any kind of meaningful competition since the month of March, there has been a lot of meaningful conversation, you know, that we've had here on the podcast and appreciate, you know, certainly both of you uh, being a part of it and in, in talking about some of these changes, because I certainly think that we're, we're about to embark on, on a season coming up this next year that is going to be unlike anything else that we've ever experienced. And I don't think that just is um, going to be for curling. I think that's going to be for sports across the board. And, you know, I say that because I, I just feel like that we all need a I, as sports fans. And, of, of course, all three of us are, you know, certainly of, of our sport here in curling. But, but you know, everything else, the sports world, I mean, we enjoy it all. And I just think that, that fans, we – are going to need to prepare ourselves for just a very vastly different looking, uh, not just seasons, but could be sports, could be the actual games itself, um, you know, for, for the upcoming year, that we're, that we're just going to have to grit our teeth and, and get through it. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be what we're used to. I think we're going to have to make some mental concessions about what we see out there, whether it's you know, baseball, uh, you know, players not being in the dugout, like sitting in a, in the stands, you know, with their equipment. Um, you know, it, it just – everything, that, and you guys read it every day like I do, you know, the fluid nature of, you know, trying to get a baseball season off the ground, restarting, you know, the NBA or trying to conclude the NBA season. Every time I read it, I just said – it takes me down another rabbit hole and a path, saying, you know, to myself like, wow, this is just going to be so different. Uh, from what we're used to. Yeah, I guess, you know, coming from my, my, my home life, you know, I, I've worked for a nonprofit. One of my things is trying to figure out how we're going to get back to work at some point. And mm-hmm. I feel for all these folks because there are just so many unique problems in sports that you won't find in a regular business. Um, you know, and, and curling has certainly some unique problems around, you know, socializing in, in particular. It's probably the biggest one. Um, but yeah, you know, you look at all these different leagues and, I started thinking about what kind of modifications would I have to make to make some of these leagues work? You know, in, in basketball, they're talking about coming back, I guess, late July. I mean, are, are they going to have to, you know, spread people out the way you're talking about in baseball? Are they going to have to replace the ball every few minutes? Like, I, I mean, that's the little things like matter when it comes to like how this disease seems to, to uh, germinate uh, with different people. So um I don't know, Specs, what do you think it is in terms of how leagues can make a comeback? What kind of changes do you think they're going to have to make? Well, I mean, the the big thing is when we think about the, the big sports, the difference between that and curling is the hundreds of millions of dollars involved in, the, in, in TV and the players. And, and they have a few more resources in the curling world to be able to pull things off. Um, I think the aspect of the changes of curling are going to be mainly about the spread of the virus more than TV dollars, of course. So, I mean, with the, with the changes I've heard and the things I'm, I'm, I don't want them to happen, but if, if that's the reality, you know, I've, I've heard things about possibly only three players. I've heard, you know, one sweeper, um, heard that, you know, basically a lot of these big events might be with, with uh, empty empty places, which all makes sense. Um, and they have to get ahead of this and make these kinds of decisions. Um, I mean, I completely think, like, you know, I'm, I'm a huge baseball fan. And the fact that baseball isn't on from 9 in the morning until midnight to me is puzzling. I don't get it. They could play in a field. It, it, it's not even about the virus. <laughs> it isn't at all. It's more about... It's more about honestly the 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 bargaining between players and and the organization, and that that won't that that's not going to be a problem in curling. Um, I think I think the safety of the players is what it's going to be all about, and travel and all those types of things. Uh, I, I you know I I I figured we'd hear a little more um, now. Right now it's just kind of murmurs. If I'm wrong, tell me. But I, I haven't seen a whole lot of release about kind of plans going forward but you know these next three months are going to fly by and obviously there's been events canceled already but all of a sudden it's going to be september and then october and it's like all right well if we're going to get into curling what is kind of going to be their plan so uh that's kind of where i'm at well one of the things i think joe you you just touched on is is the money aspect now clearly in in major league baseball the nba the nfl i mean 
the margin for error is so much larger in a sport like that with the kind of money and the dollars are involved, right? Um, I'm not saying – I mean, right now owners are – I mean, they're bleeding out money every day they don't play. Um, not to say there's not losses, but, you know, those losses can be covered somewhat um, just simply by the amount of money that's in the sport. We don't have that. We're not, you know – flush with cash and I, you know I, I was reading Devin Hurry's story in uh, CBC Sports the other day you know with uh, Catherine Henderson and, and Gary Peckham from um, Curling Canada and you know basically I think it was Gary Peckham that was that said at the end you know basically if, if they if they don't have fans at a, an event like a you know a Canada Cup in November th- they're sunk and you know it got me thinking because you know I've been of the belief that you know especially for these made-for-TV events like, you know, the Grand Slams, um, you know, a, uh, a Canada Cup, the ones that you would have with a lot of the big the, the big TV dollar, at least in Canada, um, those events could go off without a hitch because you do have the television, you have you have TV as a backdrop. But, you know, may, you know he, reading what Gary Peckham said about if you have a Canada Cup that base where you can't have fans in there, that is a major hit basically to their organization moving forward that – if they can't pay the bills with that, it's 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 just the, you see it and you read it and you you hear it and you know it in a lot of ways that there's just not the financial dollars, you know, to be able to absorb an, a a hit of maybe say one big event like that. And if you have to absorb it, are you cutting staff by fifty percent? Some of this is speculation, um, you know, speculatory. But I I just think that for us and and our sport here, we have very little margin for error just simply because of of the dollar amount, and we we will feel the brunt of this so much more in so many more different ways. Yeah, we talked. I think it might have been a couple podcasts ago about <laughs> how maybe the mid level events might have even more of an issue than the top level events because they're not on TV; they rely locally on on sponsorship dollars. But to hear that you know the big events, even with the TV contracts, may be having issues, you know, that was a little bit of a surprise to me too. It's not a surprise to me at all because I, you know, the what the players have been mad about for a long time, especially for the grand slams and things, is the unbalance of money and the money mainly towards thrown towards the talent calling the games in, in some aspects. I guess I'm kind of calling them out, but um, and I, I mean, I'm not surprised to hear that those events are problems because I mean, I've seen what they charge for those ticket prices, and it's like holy Christ. Um, but uh, they, they, you know, their their margins are so, you know, so small uh, to be able to make it for an event like that, um, which I kind of get. Um, I get margins because I minor my margins are affected every day, also. So, yeah, uh, yeah you know, it's it is. I, I wasn't. I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that price uh, after you said that. Is that you know they they do uh, depend on the fans for those type of events um, because. Like I, you know, like what I said, the, what the prizes are for the players in those events, and what other people are maybe getting paid, uh, it doesn't really uh, add up for for the players or the fans. But anyhow, uh, that's where I'm at with that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, and the other thing too, and specs, you, you know, Joe, you you run a nonprofit and specs, you run a restaurant, you know, that is this a chance to maybe change uh, a business model? I mean, maybe not for some people, but you know, like I, and I'm not making this about Canada at all, but you know, like the CFL, you know, you hear about the CFL and I don't know how much you guys follow it. Probably not at all. Nothing like I do as, as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider fan now that I've become, um, you know, that they're asking for basically a bailout from the federal government. And, you know, the way they pay their bills per season basically is because it's such a, a gate-driven league, you know, it's it's all about the fans, especially in the, the markets like with, um, you know, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Edmonton Eskimos. So much of it is gate-driven. And, you know, that they're going to have to go back and look at a maybe a completely, totally different business model about how they run a league moving forward. And, you know, I think in a lot of ways, you, you know, you, you pull the layers back and, you know, businesses, you know, get exposed at a time like this. And so, I mean, is this maybe a time and I get, you know, it's a million dollar question and it depends on who you are, but is this a, a chance to, you know, to maybe change, you know, how you operate, um, I mean, it, it's, right, so it's interesting because I'm sorry. To even for is clubs, the, in individual oh, club, I, in, to, to bring about to curling real quick, Joe, you know, it, is this maybe a way that, you know, clubs have to change how they operate? 
Uh, yeah, I was thinking more about like maybe the Briar or the Canada Cup and other things, and maybe we'll come back to the individual club in a minute. But you know, one of the things that I thought about is if you can't have stand, uh, fans in the stands, maybe you have to expand your streaming options and give people a pay-per-view option to watch the game that they want to watch, um, rather than the prepackaged, uh, you know, Brad Gushu, uh, Brad Jacobs game that's shown pretty much every time you watch. Um, so. Uh, if you gave people the option to watch the provinces or the teams that they were interested in whenever they wanted, maybe they would pay for a pay-per-view uh, system up there to watch games on their computer. Um, but I, just sort of transitioning to the club level price, you know, I, I was wondering what do you, especially maybe you know somebody who's a member of a, a, a pretty big club, you know, what steps do you think uh, curling clubs can take to make sure that when they kind of get the go-ahead to restart, that they they can make the people who are there feel safe and be able to get a regular season kind of in. Well, that's what, what did a uh, price just say? It's a million dollar question. Uh, that's another million dollar question is what a club, you know, with 500 plus members um, going to do and uh, to make people feel safe because you're going to have a million different kinds of personalities and a million different opinions on how to handle this. So it's, you got to find the, the balance and it, it's got to be safe. And I, I honestly think as of now, uh, the Duluth Curling Club is going to have a hell of a hard time coming back anytime before the new year. Uh, if things keep trending in Minnesota the way they are, um, it, it, I mean, that's, that's, that's a great question. And I was just talking with someone the other night about this. And, you know, right now my gut feeling is I don't feel like we'll be curling the Duluth Curling Club anytime soon. Mainly the socializing aspect, but, if we're taking the socializing aspect out of it, we're taking revenue out because there's no no food and drink possibly. Um, that's money coming in, and it's you know it's a reduced season. That we're talking about less dues, um, and you know where we're where we're also um, we have some issues is that we we don't own our club. Um, we lease from what's called the Duluth uh, Convention Center. Um, it's called the Deck. And, you know, we have quite the least of them, but we have to go as they go. Um, so, you know, if, if they make decisions where they don't want large gatherings in their buildings, we, we have to, we have to abide by that. And uh, it's going to be, it's going to be quite interesting. I might, you know, talking about the club, I kind of forgot about the question, um, but you brought up an awesome point um, is that I think that there is an opportunity for streaming and not just in Canada, you know, the world, like, you know, they, they've always, for, from what I've understood, like Canada, it's always been really tough to be able to watch curling up there. Like you either have to pay an obscene amount of money to watch one game or, you know, between Sportsnet and, you know, TSN, you know, has a couple events and you can stream that on ESPN. If they, if they were to figure out a way to kind of come together and, and do a streaming package, pay-per-view, those type of things, I think that's a great way to get some money flowing. And, and between obviously Canada's who watches curling the most, but I, I, you know, there's a ton of interest in the U S especially since that 2018 thing that happened. Um, and I knew they loved that up there. Uh, so uh, um, I think I think there is a great opportunity for that, and uh, I might have, like I said, I kind of forgot the question because I got it. We got into the curling club, and I'm just I went black, you know, because I we I just literally talked about this, and I'm I'm pretty darn concerned of how they're going to be able to figure out for us to have a season. So, well, yeah, I, Price, I was wondering, I, Price, I was wondering, you know, do you think that the clubs who are thinking about coming back, you know, what kinds of things? Could they do? I, I had a couple ideas. I don't know if you think these are any good or not, but um, we have a four sheet club in Rochester, and mm -hmm. all of our games start at exactly the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know six forty-five, and then I think it's uh, I forget what it is. It was six thirty and then eight forty-five. Yeah. I was wondering if maybe we should stagger our start times so that way teams show up just before their game time. Um, you know, and then the next game comes just a way to kind of keep, you know, people from, from getting within a couple feet of each other when they're putting on their shoes. You know, I've talked, I've heard of people say, Hey, you know, you have to be ready to go, you know, just put your shoes on and ready to go. I think that's a great idea. Um, you know, at our club, we have a volunteer, you know, bar situation. So you go in, you, you mark your chit and you get your drink, but I think maybe we need a bartender, you know, and, and if that's a volunteer for the night, 
Um, that's something that I think would help, you know, just keep some, some distance. Uh, as the games do come off the ice, you only spend the 15 minutes that you, that you gain from starting before the other games. Um, and, you, and then you had to go. I mean, that, I don't know how else to do it um, without, you know, in our particular situation, we have a pretty small warm room. And then um, I guess the one that I saw, um, and this might be a more competitive uh, idea than anything else. I watching cornhole, uh, uh, McGuffin all day long, just so we know. Um, but uh, <laughs> they they have they, these bad like after every I don't I guess it's a round is over. I don't know cornhole that well. Right. I'm just learning it. Uh, they have a person that specifically goes and grabs the bags right. from underneath the board, and then like places them for the players. Yep. And the players have designated like areas they have to wait. Um, I wonder if in competitive curling, we don't normally touch the rocks with our hands other than our own rocks. Um, but, um, maybe it's, you know, another way to kind of, um, keep distance is to have one person sort of designated to do that. Yeah. Uh, per, per competitive game. And, and that's what cornhole is. That's what the official does is basically the, the players are the only ones that touch their bags. The official, pulls the bags out after the round wearing gloves but but stacks them on their side of the board and you know there's they have the rule where only one player can be on the throwing mat at one time you know as soon as one player throws you have to step off then the other player can step on and you know they're obviously wearing masks and no fans in there you know that's that's just why you know that sport is and look I'm not you know a cornhole ace or anything like that I've seen it on TV before all this started and you see these you know you know, a bleacher right next to the, you know, the, the boards and people drinking beer and going crazy on ESPN, you know, but now you, you hear the thud of them in there. It's just, it's completely different. Like, you know, like in, and that's just, you know, the actual game, but like, you know, I'm curious about basketball and not to steer it away from what curling clubs can do, Joe, but like, are we going to get is when the NBA returns, I've got a feeling, and this is only a gut feeling, that we're going to go to almost like an NBA all-star type of, of game. Like, I feel like it's going to be completely offensive, like, all the time, no defense. Because who is going to get up on somebody in front of them, you know, feel comfortable doing it? Are you going to see players, like, you know, you see players wearing the sleeves, like, in shooting shirts under their uniform. Are they going to wear, like, are they going to wear, like, sleeves and pants, like, tights when they play, like, you know, sweat. They don't want exposed on the skin. I don't know, man. I, I just I've got my head that's just spinning, thinking about the way the actual games are going to change. I mean, you brought up cornhole. That's completely different. I feel like basketball. We're about to see something completely offensive oriented, like a LeBron James that's going to drive to the hole every time, and nobody's going to step in front of him for a charge, much less a block. I just – I don't know how – in football, I don't even begin to know how they're going to play football. I mean, two-end touch below the waist, I don't know how football is going to – you know, they're going to be able to do that. Like, baseball, you can do it. You know, are they going to wear batting gloves on both hands, you know, even while you're fielding, um, no showering at, at the games. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we won't see on television. But I don't know, man. The, the changes, I just feel like, are going to be so radical and so different that that's why I'm trying to prepare myself for them. We're sort of – You're bringing up – oh, oh, sorry, Joe. <laughs> That's okay. Go ahead, Spec. Oh, I'll go ahead. Uh, is that you're bringing up some good points. Um, you know, I'm having these discussions daily um, about how humans are going to act and how, you know, things are going to happen. Um, you know, but what, what these sports can do is, you know, is, te- you know, testing and isolation and those type of things. You know, honestly, the, the, the touching is, is uh, from what I've read and what I've been told, is that the touching is not really the aspect. It's more about being around people and the talking and breathing, and that's really the bigger issue. Um, You know, I've been watching a fair amount of uh, the German soccer and things like that. Like, humans are going to be humans, and they're going to do what they're used to, um, which obviously doesn't follow. You know, you can do the best you can, but at the end of the day, when these professional athletes get a ball in their hand, they're, it's going to be second nature. They've done it their whole lives. They're going to think about the sport, in my opinion. You know, there might be a few that don't. But, you know, like when the, when the Lakers are playing, uh, say, the Clippers, you know, Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James are going to, go, going to be going at each other. I can guarantee that. You know, like that's, that's what's going to be happening. And because once, you know, as, you know, athletes, 
it's going to click in and that's what's going to happen. And, and I think if, if the league is take any league and specifically also curling, you know, if they're taking the right precautions and, and doing what they can, I think I, I, I don't see the landscapes of sports being different or affected. Um, you know, I think they're going to, people are going to be a little, little better about, you know, thinking about what they're doing and why they're doing it specifically when they're not playing, mm-hmm. um, you know, between what, you know, the, the real problem with all this is especially in, you know, in, in hockey and, and basketball is the locker room. We've seen how, how any virus flu, whether it be flu or measles or all that kind of stuff, how it can spread in the locker room like that, you know? So, uh, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Spikes, I, I tend to agree with you uh, about the, how the testing is, is so important, and uh, you see, sort of see the model in the UFC and Korean baseball, you know, how they're kind of dealing with that. And I think that if, like in basketball, if the players are are uh, comfortable with that and they decide to show up, they're going to play the way they normally play. I think that's that's the way I feel about it. Now, the ones that aren't comfortable and they're, you know, these are millionaires. They're, this is not curling. You know, NBA is completely different. Sure. They may not just show up if they don't feel comfortable. And, and in which case, some teams may be decimated because their star decides, I'm not going to play in this environment. And so, you know, the end, this is, I mean, this, the end of this NBA season is going to be crazy because somebody like maybe Kevin Durant, who had, who had been thought to be out completely, may decide to come back and change, you know, the, the favor of his team, but some all superstar may decide, you know, I'm not interested in playing for this. I've got millions of dollars from my sneaker deal in the bank. I don't need to play this season. I'll wait and see how it, how it plays out. Oh man, we could go on for another hour just talking about, <laughs> talking about all this. Um, I mean, we're, we're I mean, we're kind of, you know, spitting in the wind, just what's going to happen you know, it, just so fluid and moves so fast by the day. But you know, I can say this, uh, regardless of what it looks like, um, I am I am internally optimistic. We're going to have sports. It's going to be coming back. It's already coming back. You know, like you, you mentioned, the Bundesliga and, and Germany specs with, you know, pro, pro soccer there. You know, you got the Premier League that's going to be starting up in, in mid-June. And, you know, in England, um, it's around the corner, um, and we and we desperately need it. I I did think it was interesting, you know. I heard a point. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever listened to the sports reporters, uh, Bob Ryan and Mitch Album and Mike Lupica. I love their podcast. Um, you know that they do from their long running TV show. Now they do it twice a week as a podcast. And you know, one of them is is mentioned repeatedly that you know we we don't need baseball. People that talk about how we need baseball back is is baloney. You know, they <laughs> their point is that baseball only needs baseball back and they just want to serve themselves. And, you know, I'm kind of like, well, you know, you got a point because, you know, I'm like my son and I, we're not going to be going to any ballparks this summer. My, my daughter and I, that she loves baseball and my wife too. We're, we're not going to any ballparks, you know, to have that baseball moment, take our gloves, go sit there, hope for foul ball. That This is just, you know, you, you hope they hope that it comes back and that baseball wants to serve themselves. But at the end of the day, you know, we all we all just need that outlet. We need that sports outlet, whether it's I'm not going to say NASCAR um, because I won't include that, Joe. Um, but whether it's football, basketball, baseball, we just need it back in some sport, soccer, um, and we're close to getting it. So uh, I think we can all agree that that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely, Christ. You know, I, I I talked about cornhole for a good five minutes, so I think we can count NASCAR as a sport. Okay. All right. Well, gentlemen, uh, NASCAR is not a sport. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I won't admit that I actually watched more than five consecutive minutes of that a couple weeks ago. I'm not going to admit that on here. Whoops, I just did. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get out of here. Uh, Saturday morning, uh, we got liftoff on the weekend now. Um, everybody be safe. Uh, Specs, appreciate you taking the time away from the restaurant. Joe, uh, certainly. We'll continue this. Uh, we got to map out our, our next and probably what will be our final episode when we record and come to you again. But appreciate Jessica Schultz joining us this week. And we will be back again for at least one more here, uh, whether it's next week or the week after. But we'll do it again here on the Extraction Podcast with the 12th in Sports Network. Have a great weekend. Thanks for being with us on this edition of the Extra Extra In Podcast with Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. 
Follow the 12th In Sports Network crew on Twitter and Facebook to stay up on our weekly contests, giveaways, guests, and for upcoming episodes of the Extra Extra In Podcast. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Support for this episode is brought to you by Mrs. Myers. A delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything we make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived ingredients, our cleaning products work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. So bring a little bit of the outside inside your four walls and bask in the wonder of a garden from the comfort of home. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Shop now at mrsmyers.com.